the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Well, did I ever tell y'all the legend of my sister-in-law, Mindy? <laughs> I've got this sister-in-law, and boy, she's a handful. And uh, it started the first day I met her. And I guess my brother's been married probably 20 years now. It's probably before I got saved. I think I always got to make that disclaimer when I tell a crazy story on myself. This was before I got saved. <laughs> but uh, back then, I used to have this bass boat, and me and my brother would often go skiing or inner tubing or something. And uh, this particular day, he wanted to bring his new fiance, Mindy. And Angie didn't ever want to go with me, but, but I told her Mindy was going, and she thought that would be a good way to... to spy on Heath's new girlfriend to see who she was so she went along that day and uh we put the boat in Heath uh pushed us off and now you guys this boat had like 150 horse mercury on the back of you know <laughs> and I mean when I cranked that thing I mean doesn't that just get your blood exciting fellas y'all know what I'm talking about and uh I mean, when I crank that thing up, I just give a cavalier wink to nobody in particular. Just, you know, because <laughs> that thing sounds so good. <laughs> and so as soon as I got her turned around, I laid down on that throttle. And man, that thing shot up out of the hole like Shamu after a bucket of fried penguin. I'm up on top of the water, you know. We was going down that lake and that thing would do probably 50, 60 mile an hour. And... uh. <laughs> All of a sudden, I started feeling this. Something hit me in the ribs, and it was Angie's elbow. And both he and or she and Heath were looking at me like, "We told you, don't show yourself to be a jerk right off the bat." And I'm like, "Why wait? You know, <laughs> what are we waiting for?" And I looked over at, at at you know the new girl, Mindy, and she had this smile placarded across her face. I said, "She looks like she's having fun," you know. <laughs> But anyway, I set her down out there in the lake, and I started barking orders. All right, Heath, blow up the inner tube. You look, you know, and I'm just, you had to know me back then. So I was barking orders. And Heath, he's, he's a, what the men call peacocking. You know what I'm saying? He's got a girl on the boat, but he's, let me get that for you. You know, and he's, he's doing all that stuff. And I, and I knew there wasn't room for two egos that size on the boat. So I said, you're going first, Heath. And I put him in the inner two. And I laid that thing down. And, and I started him off pretty fast. And man, I'm telling you, I was impressed with Heath. He was able to hold on through some stuff that I, I didn't think was humanly possible, to be honest. And he was starting to get me there for a minute. So finally, I got her up to about 40 miles an hour with him on the inner two back there. And I just whipped it off to the left. And the... And the Inertia just brought that inner tube, and the inner tube was actually in front of us for a moment. And the G-forces was just so strong, it pried his knuckles off of that thing, and he just... Anybody ever see the $6 million man movie? Y'all remember that? Where it always started the show with showing his crash, and they had to spend all that money to rebuild him. And I looked over, and Mindy was giving me the evil eye. 
I said, what? They can rebuild him? <laughs> Better, faster, stronger, you know? So we went over there and, and picked what was left of Heath up and got him on the boat. And I turned to Angie. I said, your turn. She said, homie, don't play that. <laughs> and said, homie, don't play that. She, <laughs> I tried to talk her into it, but she was like, no, I ain't going. And then all of a sudden, old feisty Mindy spoke up. She said, I'll go. I look like that. And Heath was over there looking over his makeshift neck brace he had made for himself. He was looking. And he said, mm-hmm. So we got her in the inner tube and, and I was going to try to be nice. You know, I don't know this girl. I'm going to go slow. So I was driving pretty slow. Everything is boring, but you know, I'm trying to be the nice guy. You know, somebody's got to be the nice guy. And I'm driving her around and I look back and she goes, and I look at Heath, and he looks at me. So I gave it a little bit more gas. We're going pretty good. Look back, she goes. I look at Heath, and she's chuckling by this point. <laughs> pretty soon, we've got it going fast enough that any regular old fellow would have fallen off by now. She's still holding on, and this is becoming a challenge to my manhood. And I'm looking it over at Heath, and he's feeling the same way. She's doing as good as I did. Now, Heath won't never admit this. You know, his marriage being at stake and all. But he looked at me, and he kind of gave me the eye. You know, like it was okay for me to take her down a peg or two. <laughs> now, like I said, he won't admit this even today. But I saw the eyes, all right? <laughs> So what I started doing is something I had learned, you know, with the youth when I used to pull them behind in her too. <laughs> they, they're saying, I'm never letting my youth go with him. But anyway, I would, I started working circles in the lake and within this little certain area, I was working up this devilish brood that I like to call the vortex of death. You know, if you do the boat just right, you're weaving in and you're creating the, these swells going on. And when I had a monster swell of tsunami portions, I'm, I'm talking about, it's like the biggest wave I had ever worked up. I got that boat up to about 35, 40 miles an hour. I turned left and I slung feisty Mindy right into that biggest wave. The inner tube was up there good eight, ten feet off the ground. And Mindy, well, I'll tell you about Mindy later. We got to get in the message. Turn to Psalms 18.28. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Psalms 18, 28, I'm going to read it in the English Standard Version because that's where I like it. <laughs> For it is you who light my lamp. The psalmist is talking to God. It is you who light my lamp. The Lord my God lightens my darkness. How many of you feel like a lamp? But that's what you are. You're supposed to have the light of life. You're supposed to have God lighting up your life. That's why you were created. You're a lamp. 
And that's why I'm calling today's message the lighthouse. You've heard the song about Jesus being the lighthouse, but guess what? You're the lighthouse too. The Lord my God lightens my darkness. We're not supposed to be walking around like the world in the same darkness. We're not supposed to let some maniac in the boat down here pull us through the vortex of death. <laughs> you know who's driving the boat down here? It's the little G God of this world, the devil. We got to let go of that inner tube and get on the ark of God. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, not with a bunch of water. Stop being pulled through the vortex of death. The, the message today is from a really high level. I'm just going to talk to you straight up and just tell you the, the truth about why we're here. Do you want to know what this life is all about? Good, good. Because see, in the beginning, God gave us life. And He breathed into us the breath of life. He wanted some chillings. See, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they were up there and they had the angels and everything, but their love is so big, it just couldn't, they, they had to find somebody else to give it to. And so God formed man out of the dust of the earth. Now, he had already made the animals and the fish and the birds and everything. And they had life. They had a temporary life, but they didn't have it what we have. Because God personally breathed eternal life into us. He became our light in the, this lamp of our body. And Adam and Eve had eternal life. Now, he made us in his image. Because He has eternal life. But making us in His image also, He had to give us what He has called free will. Now you know how that got us in trouble. <laughs> he put that one tree in the garden, told them don't eat of it, but He put it there so that they had a choice. You know man always has a choice. You have a choice here today. You had a choice back during praise and worship. Were you going to worship like a child or not? You have a choice in this life whether you're going to trust Jesus or not. What are you going to do? You always, man always has a choice. You have a free will. God's not going to take that from you. And he gave Adam and Eve a free will. And they chose to eat the tree God said not to eat of. And in Genesis 2.17, it says, The day you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. Everybody knows this story, right? It's not just a little fairy tale. This has really happened. Man re was rebellious and chose to sin. And so what happened was, Adam died. Well, some of you may have read the story and said, but yeah, but I see where Adam went on and they had children and he lived to be 930 years old. Well, that was just because his battery was still charged. But the real life had left him. Look at your neighbor say, a dead man walking. He had died spiritually. And I want you to look out there at Walmart, and I want you to look over there at Target, and everywhere else you go, what you see is a bunch of dead men walking that don't have the light of life. They have a temporary battery charge that's going to last 60 or 70 years, and then they're going to die in their darkness. But see, God spent... 4,000 years of the Old Testament trying to teach us how to get back into the garden. 
He couldn't let us stay in the garden because we'd have, we'd have lived forever in that state. So he kicked us out, but then he's trying to teach us how to get back in. And the whole Old Testament says it's our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Showing us our need for a Savior because once sin come in, let's be honest. Man, we're hard-headed. We only believe what we want to believe. We don't listen well. We're rebellious. And God is telling us over and over, look, man, you can't do this by works. You can't be good enough. You need a Savior. And so we go through. How many of you, before you got saved, man, it seemed like you went through the vortex of death. You hit those big waves. And God allowed it. He's trying to open your eyes to the, the, the need for a Savior in your life. And He not only showed us in the Old Testament our need for a Savior, the beginning of the New Testament, He sends a Savior. His only Son. I don't know what more He could do to prove that He loves you. You see, he, when He created you, He wanted to love you. He has chased you down. Leaves the 99. You don't deserve it. I can't earn it. But you give yourself away, God. You gave your son to prove his love to you. And he took your sin and your debt and he made it possible for you to have the light of life come back into you. To welcome you back into the garden. This is hitting it from a high level, isn't it? But if it's so simple, how come some of us still don't get it? How come most of us are still thinking, if I'm good enough, God will accept me? That's like dressing up an old sow. It's like trying to put a Band-Aid on the leak on the dam. You know, it just ain't going to work. Your righteousness is filthy rags before God. You're never going to attain righteousness before God by your works. You missed that the first time you stole a cookie out of your mama's cabinet. Let me get back on my notes. Dead men walking. See, ever since Adam, we were people were born dead in their sins and trespasses. You're born into death. Nobody has the light until Jesus brings the light. Death at its core is separation from life. I mean, it's so simple, but it's so profound. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is life, and death at its core is separation from life. We just think of death as when this body wears out and we, we die physically, but it's so much more. See, hell is going to be total separation from God for all eternity. It's going to be complete darkness. And darkness is merely an absence of what? You guys are smart. Darkness is an absence of light. And what is sin? Sin oh, is that junk that separates us from light and life. Our sin. And until we come to grips with I'm a sinner and I need to repent and ask for forgiveness, until we repent and ask for forgiveness, we stay dead and dark. God's goal from the time Adam sinned and before, because what does it say Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundations of the world? He knew before he created man what our decisions would be, and he still created us. God's goal was to forgive and restore you 
through faith in Jesus. That's God's plan. To give you eternal life and to fill you with His Spirit. You see, that's a part many of us miss. That God wants to fill you with His Spirit. See, some of us, we want to, okay, I want a ticket to heaven or I want to be right with God. Of course, you want to live forever, so we ask Jesus to be the Lord of our life, but we're still like, whoa, my natural man, he don't understand none of that spiritual stuff you're talking. I, I'm, I'm, I'm scared of the Holy Spirit. Ooh, they call him a ghost. Let me explain. The Holy Spirit is Jesus' Spirit. He's not some mystical force to be afraid of. How do you say you love Jesus, but you don't love His Spirit? Why do you, we run from spiritual things? Why do we try to bring God down to our level as natural, mere humans? God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Why are we afraid of spiritual things? Oh, it may make, He may make me do something I don't want. No, remember, you have a free will. God will never override your free will. But if you'll give your will to God, you'll come to Him like Jesus said, unless you come to me like little children. And you just turn it over. Man, it's not that hard. God, do with me what you will. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. You want to be a lighthouse for God, don't you? Jesus said in Acts 26, 18, He said, I come to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Isn't that summing it up pretty good right there? That's God's heart that you turn from darkness. You come into the kingdom of light. In Luke 179 it says, To give light to those who sit in darkness. Who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. We need to be lighthouses. Not just for our own sake, but what is a lighthouse? It is steering people down the right path around us. How many of you got children? How many of you got family? Y'all got a mother, right? <laughs> you, are, you had a mother. Got friends. There's nothing more that you can do for the people that you love in your life than to get your life right and to begin to shine. Sometimes we try to change folks. You know, we try to work on them. We work on our spouse. You know, you need to do this, and we nag and nag and nag. But really, we need to work on us. And the, the lighthouse will bring them to the truth. But many people like their sin. Let's just be honest. A lot of people that are at the lake today <laughs> on Sunday like their sin more than they like the light. They don't come to it because they don't want their sin exposed. The Bible tells us that. But like I said, many Christians refuse the Spirit too. We're afraid of the Holy Spirit. Well, you know, you've seen some things that happen in charismatic churches and stuff, and you say, I don't want to be a part of that. You, you don't understand it. And, and some of it is a little flaky. Let's be honest. There's been some flaky things going on. But I can, I can tell you the flaky stuff ain't from God. There is a real 
There's one cure for darkness. It's light. There's one cure for death. It's life. There's one cure for sin. It's forgiveness. And there's one remedy for the flesh. And it's to walk in the Spirit. And listen, Jesus is offering you all of these things. Right here today, with, your, with whatever you know, wherever you've been, doesn't matter, you, your whole life is summed up to the place that you're in that purple chair right now, and He's offering you light, life, forgiveness, and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that, my friends, is what God's intention was from the beginning, and that is the plan for your life. Well, Told you the meaning of life. Where do we go from here? I mean, even when Jesus was baptized and he came to earth to be a man, when he was baptized, immediately the Holy Spirit descended on him. He got filled with the Holy Spirit for his ministry. He knew that as a man, even Jesus didn't want to walk this earth as just a mere man. But he turned the world upside down when he got filled with the Holy Spirit. He went out into the wilderness to fast and pray and to be filled with the Holy Spirit to make sure it's, it's no longer... How does that work for Jesus? I always say it's no longer I that live, but Christ that liveth in me. <laughs> but it was His own Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that filled Jesus and given the ability to do what He did here on the earth. Paul, Apostle Paul, got knocked off his high horse on the way to Samaria. Was it uh, Damascus? <laughs> and uh, right after that, God sent who was it, Ananias, to get him filled with the Holy Ghost. Jesus needed to be filled. Paul needed to be filled. What good did the apostles do? And the disciples, they followed Jesus around and did what he told them, you know. But did they do anything supernatural until after the day of Pentecost? Jesus was like, don't leave home without it, without the Holy Spirit. What's in your wallet, you know? Stay in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. From on high. I don't want you going out there making a mess of things. I tell you what. Some of you are afraid to go on the streets and minister. And you're afraid even to go to South Park to read to children. That's, that fear is not of God. That's because you're depending on your flesh. If you would just simply say, God, I am yours. Here I am, send me. Here I am, fill me. And trust in the Holy Spirit in you. You ain't got to perform. I want to say that to somebody right now. You ain't got to perform. Doesn't that take a lot of pressure off you? The Holy Spirit will guide and lead you every step of the way. It'll be You'll look back and say, how in the world? That wasn't me. You're right. <laughs> it won't be you. Some of you wear yourself. We wear, I wear myself out trying to do good things as a pastor. Godly things. Sometimes God's like, boy, you need to just calm down. Let the Holy Spirit take over. How did the 120 disciples in the upper room shake up the whole world? They got filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Acts 13, 52 says the believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. That's how they changed the world. Maybe that's what's wrong in the church in America. We have forgotten the Holy Spirit. The man who rejects God's Holy Spirit can never produce the eternal fruit God's after. I wrote that down. That's on your sheet if you're following along in your bulletin. The man who rejects God's Holy Spirit can never produce the eternal fruit that God is after in your life. You cannot be pleasing to God in your own strength. Jesus told the disciples, it's better that I go away. They're like, wait, whoa. We kind of like you here, Jesus. But he said, he was basically telling them, when I came, I became a human. I, I limited myself to one space at one time like you. I became, see, that's one of the things we just skim on by. We think, we think about Jesus dying on the cross. And all, but he became a human. That had to be a big sacrifice for him to limit himself to a human situation. But he came a human. He said, when I go away, I'm going to send my spirit into you. And he's not just going to be one person walking with you. He's going to be in each and every one of you. That's how we're going to get things done down here. The works that I do, greater works than these shall you do because I go. Because I send. Because I feel. It's not going to be me with you. It's going to be me in you, man. We're going to get her done. Look at your neighbor and say, let's get her done. Let's get her done down here. Come on. Who is the Holy Spirit? Ooh. The Holy Spirit in 1 Peter is called the Spirit of glory. In Ephesians 1, he's called the Spirit of revelation. In Hebrews 9, he's called the eternal Spirit. Isaiah says of him in chapter 11, he's the Spirit of wisdom, counsel, might, understanding, knowledge. In Isaiah 4, he calls him the spirit of judgment. I like this. Job called him the breath of the Almighty. What? You remember when Jesus breathed in the man? That was the Holy Spirit. He is the breath of the Almighty. John 14, Jesus called him the comforter. In John 15, the spirit of truth. In Luke 1, he called him the power of the highest. In Revelation 19, he's called the spirit of prophecy. He's the spirit of holiness, the spirit of adoption. Romans 8, the spirit of life, the spirit of grace, the spirit of the Father. And in Romans 8, he's called the spirit of Christ. You love Jesus, don't you? Why resist the Holy Spirit? You stiff-necked people, you do always resist the Holy Ghost. Bunch of carnal people. I have to speak this to you as a babes. You can't handle anything but milk. I can't get you the meat. God never intended for us to get saved and live out the rest of our lives in our own weak human strength. We don't, st we don't stand out. We're no lighthouse when we're like every other boat in the harbor. What does the Holy Spirit do? He guides into all truth. He convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He's the one revealed Christ to you. Boy, it, I can't think of a better friend than the one who would reveal Jesus into my life. He sets us free from the law of sin and death. 
He quickens our mortal bodies. He brings freedom. He transforms us into Christ's image. He's the one who comes alongside us and shows us how to live this life. How do we know what we're doing without Him? Without listening to Him and not even acknowledging His presence. He fills our hearts with God's love. He empowers us to preach the gospel, to cast out demons. The Bible says He brings all things to our remembrance in John 14. In Acts 9, He comforts us and gives us joy. He sanctifies us. That means He sets us apart as His very own. He empowers, teaches, confirms. He brings forth that fruit in our life. He gives us miraculous gifts, anoints us. He washes us, renews us. He unites us together in love. And He is the glue of the church. He is the power of the church. He reveals mysteries from heaven. You know, the Bible doesn't tell you every question that you have. Who do I marry? Where do I go to school? What do I do? But the Holy Spirit will reveal God's intentions for your life. He is our guarantee and deposit of a future resurrection. By Him we are sealed until the day of redemption. That's how you can lay your head on the pillow at night and say, I'm saved. Because I know, I feel the Holy Spirit speaking to me in my heart. I know He's there. I know because He lives, I can live. It's the Holy Ghost. What did you think life was all about? Before I, I came to Christ, even after I came to Christ, I still thought it was about me and my little 70 years down here. I thought it was about retirement. You know, whoo! If I can just get to retirement, I don't have to work anymore. And then them last 10, 15 years would just be awesome. And people are living their whole life for those years that, that by the time they get there, it's, they're looking back saying, what did I do? Waited for retirement. Some of us think that, that life is about finding the right spouse. Ooh, if I could do that. Some of you think life is about getting rid of the wrong spouse. If I could just do that. <laughs> or a promotion at your job. Or, or some people just living for fun. How much fun can I have? This life is all about fun or how much money I can make. Them things maybe ain't all that bad, you know, when, when in perspective, except the getting rid of the wrong spouse thing. Okay. But, but what's the real deal? Don't you ever just want to get down to the meat of the matter and, and get the big perspective so everything else can get in line with what's really true? So many of us are tired today. Man, I just had a meeting with some leaders and they come into my office and they're all worn out and tired from doing good things. And I think if these are the leaders, these are the thermometers or the thermostats that are setting the temperature in the church, what must the other people be like? We're wearing ourselves out trying to make it happen, looking for love in all the wrong places, setting our eyes on the distant shore that's in the wrong direction. What if your life could be radically changed by simple asking God to fill you with the Holy Spirit each day? Live a life filled with His Spirit, led by His Spirit, relaxed 
in His Spirit. I'll tell you one thing, you'd be more excited about going to church. There'd be less drama in your relationships. Your kids would be like, who's this guy coming in here? So lovable. Your kid wouldn't recognize you. You'd be better able to handle all the stress. That, now the stress is going to come, you know. In this world you shall have tribulation. It's coming to everybody. But I'm talking about the way to overcome it, not to succumb to it. You'd be better able to handle the stress of life. You'd have more joy and peace. No more meltdown Marty and freak out Freddy, you know. You'd be calm and peaceful, whoever you are. A deeper love for other people. You'd be able to get off self. You know, self just implodes eventually. Self has driven you down into these dark pits and, and just made you feel like life isn't worth living. And, and if the devil can get you focused on self, man, he's got you where he wants you. But the Holy Spirit will always be pointing out others, other people. And you'll, be, you'll find the joy of giving is better than receiving. You'll see people through the eyes of Christ. You'll develop a greater faith and an eternal perspective. That's all this is today is an eternal perspective. And what that does is create such purpose in your life. No more dreading Mondays and holding your breath till Friday. That's a crazy way to, to waste the time that you've been given here on the earth. I don't know, I wrote down a lot of things. Confidence to walk through the storms. Freedom from bondages, addictions. Offenses. See, God wants you to be free. And the Holy Spirit sets the captives free. Power over secret sins. Power. He's called the Holy Spirit because He gives you power to live holy. He'll give you power over porn. He'll give you power to unplug. To throw it in the garbage. Whatever is causing you to sin. He'll give you power to be holy. No condemnation anymore. No listening to the lies of the devil because you'll recognize the voice of Jesus. That's if you, if you fellowship and you're filled every day. This is what I'm talking about. Living a life where you're walking in the Spirit, not in the flesh. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. It's just a simple choice. That's all I'm asking you today. Do you want life or you want death? You want blessing or you want cursing? Choose which hand. I mean... G, um, who was it? God said, somebody said in the Bible, said, said choose life. Did he even really have to say that? But other than he just wanted you to know that that's the way he feels? Somebody said it. <laughs> How would you like to have better health? Vitality. A get up and go. Your strength renewed like the eagles. How would you like to have the great physician not just visiting and making house calls, but living in the house? That's what I'm talking about. Power to prosper in whatever you set your hand to. Just glowing for Jesus all the time. You ever seen a pregnant woman her face just glows? Man, you can be pregnant with possibility every day. Get up with promise. Pregnant, ready to deliver something. You know the truth of why you're here and what life is about. What, what would happen in this little bitty old church 
here in DeSoto County if all of us were to suddenly just get filled with the Holy Ghost, with the power of God. Stop rejecting what God wants to do in your life. Ephesians 5.18 says, Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Say filled. The word filled in the Greek is a continual present tense, and it literally translates, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a one-time thing. It's a lifestyle. You want me to prove it? Didn't I tell you about how they got filled on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2? Well, in Acts chapter 4, this would be after, right? In Acts 4, 31, it says, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. So they were filled again after they were originally filled. I don't know how you see being filled. I don't really know how to explain it. But I know when I ask God for more, He gives me more. When I make room for more, I can receive more. When I open up more of my heart, He can give me more. When I surrender more, it's no longer, I must decrease, He must increase. And so every day I say, Father, fill me with your Spirit. Fill me to overflowing so that I can make a difference. How do you get filled with the Holy Spirit? The same way you got saved. You ask. And you, you, you have faith that what God said is true. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by Him. You, you say, well, if I confess Jesus as my Lord and believe in my heart that God raised Him from the dead, I shall be saved. And I believe that because it says it in the Word of God. So I'm going to receive I'm going to ask for that and I'm going to receive it. Well, it says in here that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. That it's God's intention that you be filled with the Holy Ghost and with fire. That He lights your lamp. That you be a lighthouse. And so you do the same thing. You just say, I believe that this is your desire for my life. Father, fill me. Jesus said in Luke eleven thirteen. so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? There it is. He's not going to give you a serpent if you ask for a loaf of bread. He's not going to give you a stone or whatever those other things were. He's going to give you what you ask for. And the Holy Spirit can be trusted. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.